0: The Washington Post reveals that the Biden White House knew early that vaccines did not prevent COVID transmission. School scores plummeted during the pandemic lockdowns and Joe Biden wanders into the woods. Again, I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, the Labor Department's consumer price index, which catalogs the cost of goods, services, food, and rent, rose 0.4% over the month of August. That is double what many economists had anticipated, perhaps worse, Core inflation, that's not food, it's not gas prices, saw the highest increase last month it's seen since August of 1982. Plus, experts are now saying that the increase of the interest rates from the Federal Reserve may not bring down inflation for literally years. We'll get to that later in the show. We're talking like two, three, maybe four years. Well, don't bury your head in the sand while your savings deplete. Diversify into precious metals with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. 98 98. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. The experts over at Birch Gold have almost 20 years of experience in converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers, why exactly haven't you checked them out yet? Gold has always been your best hedge against inflation. A diversified savings can protect you from downturns in the market. If you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, just text BEN to 989898 and convert that into an IRA in precious metals right now. Again, text BEN to 989898. Birch Gold will send you that free information kit on diversifying into gold. Take the necessary steps to hedge against inflation today. Protect your hard-earned cash. Text BEN to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Also. As an Orthodox Jew who is just in the Holy Land, staying in Jerusalem, obviously Israel is very important to me. This is why I am partnering with the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. The fellowship was founded 40 years ago by a Jewish rabbi in Chicago to build bridges between Christians and Jews by serving the needs of impoverished elderly Jews, many of whom are Holocaust survivors. Today, that organization is the largest humanitarian organization helping the poor not only in Israel, but also throughout the former Soviet Union and especially in Ukraine. The Fellowship is doing great work inside Ukraine right now. They're providing food for elderly Jews, many of whom have nowhere else to turn as the war continues to intensify as winter closes in as it drags on. During the recent attack on Kiev, bombs landed 600 feet from a vulnerable Jewish community that the Fellowship serves. For just 25 bucks, you can rush a food box that's packed with highly nutritious food to feed an elderly Jewish person for an entire month. And right now, thanks to the special partnership, every $25 donation you give will be matched. So you're providing Not one, but two food boxes that will literally save Jewish lives in Ukraine. To give, head on over to benforthefellowship.org. Please donate today. They urgently need your help. That's benforthefellowship.org, benforthefellowship.org. Well, from the very outset of the COVID vaccine movement, there are a couple of rationales that were given for why people should take the COVID vaccines. One was, apparently there was robust data on the lowering of the risk of death, particularly if you were old and vulnerable, from baseline COVID. And If you were young and you were healthy, then the idea that you were going to die from COVID was always a misnomer. The, The chances of you dying from COVID at the age of 30, if you work out four times a week and you eat healthy and you don't have diabetes or something, well, those chances were always extremely low. But if you were 65 plus and you were obese and you had diabetes, the chances of you dying from COVID were actually fairly high compared to things like the flu. And then COVID lowered the rates of death on that. So that was one reason to take the COVID vaccine was to protect yourself. And that case was fairly strong for a large percentage of the population because we have a lot of elderly people in the United States and we have a lot of fat people in the United States. and We have a lot of people with pre-existing conditions in the United States. Then there was a secondary case that was made. And that case was made largely on the basis of Pfizer claims and Moderna claims that it would lower the transmission rates to take the COVID vaccine. And the way to bring an end to the pandemic was get the vaccine so that your friends wouldn't get COVID. Get the vaccine so your parents wouldn't get COVID. And this was promoted very early on by Pfizer and Moderna, like back in November, December of 2020, before Joe Biden even took office. And given that that was the data that was being released, that was the data that most of us in the media used, including in conservative media, because that was the available data. And I suggested that people should get the vaccine back in about December of 2020 for specifically this reason. That was the available information at the time. Now, there are people who are saying, ignore that information. It's not true. But and and maybe they turned out to be right, as it turns out. But Jumping to conclusions based on the absence of data is not the same thing as trying to follow the data until it turns. In any case, it is now perfectly clear that we were lied to, that we were lied to, and we were lied to at a very high level from very, very early on by both the vaccine companies in terms of the ability of the vaccine to prevent transmission. And we were also lied to by our politicians who apparently knew better, and they just kept lying. And this is creating, you want to know why there's mistrust in the institutions? It would be because of this kind of stuff. It's because you have experts who are constantly telling the platonic lie to people. And people who want to have faith in the experts, because you, you have to use heuristics when it comes to the world, right? You can't study down on every single issue. When you go to the doctor, the reason you go to the doctor is because you didn't have time to go to medical school. And the reason you go to the plumber is because you didn't have time to learn to become a plumber. The reason that you go to the mechanic is because you don't know how to take cars apart. You have to rely on the expertise of another human being who has spent an enormous inordinate amount of time studying an issue. And then you have to sort of take that data and use it as best you can. Now, it can be that you distrust the data. It can be you don't trust the people who are giving you the data. But the big problem here is that when you have an entire institution like the scientific institutions or the government, and the government is issuing lies in order to get you to do a thing, and then it turns out that these things are lies, well, people's distrust in the institution is going to skyrocket, right? Again, if you outsource your plumbing to a plumber, And the plumber just keeps clogging the lines. At a certain point, you don't use that plumber anymore. If you keep taking your car to the mechanic and the mechanic drops the engine out the bottom of the car, you're not going to go to that mechanic ever, ever again. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to the lies that we were apparently told about the ability of the vaccines to block transmission. So for example, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a Pfizer executive who was being grilled by members of the ECR, the, the EU, the European Commission. And this Pfizer executive basically said, that they never even tested the COVID jab to determine whether it controlled transmission or not. This is an astonishing acknowledgement. She was asked a question, and her name is Janine Small. She was Pfizer's president of International Developed Markets. She made this admission before the European Union Parliament. She was asked by European Union Member of Parliament Rob Roos if the company tested the mRNA vaccine on stopping transmission before they rolled it out. And here is what she said.
1: Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much.
0: Um, regarding the question around um, did we know about stopping immunization before um, it entered the market? No, uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. But you didn't move at the speed of science. In fact, it turns out that you were basically lying to the American public and to the global public about the ability of these vaccines to stop transmission, which is an amazing, amazing thing, because again, huge swaths of people who are pushing Vax mandates. So I never pushed vaccine mandates. My company actually sued to prevent the Biden Vax mandate from going forward in the United States with regard to OSHA. This was pushed on the basis that you would not infect mom and dad if you got the vax yourself. This was the, you did it for the community. You didn't just get the vax for yourself. You got the vax for the community. Well, if you got the vax for yourself, good for you. I mean, that was your choice. But again, the idea that was promoted and it it makes me really, really angry to be lied to by these people, especially because these people then continue to claim their expertise. They continue to claim that we should believe them on everything. And then they whine that people don't believe the science. You never presented science. Instead, you presented a platonic lie about what exactly was going to happen if people took the vax. It was going to die down. There would be no more transmission. And what's more, it turns out the Biden White House knew this and they promoted the lie anyway. This is truly amazing stuff here. According to The Washington Post, this this was basically glossed over in nearly all the media. I'm not sure anybody caught it. So The Washington Post did this long story. It came out just on Sunday or Saturday. It was called Inside the Successes, Missteps and Failures of Biden's Early Presidency. And it was sort of a uh, recapitulation of the first year and two thirds of the Biden presidency, which had been a gigantic failure. And they talk in this article about Joe Biden's COVID response. And here's what The Washington Post says, quote, from the start, Biden's COVID response was anchored around two ideas. He would follow the science and the science would show the way to ending the pandemic. After his first meeting with his COVID team, he gave them a pep talk. He said, I know this is going to be hard. I know there will be ups and downs. Things will not always go smoothly, but promise me this. You will tell me when there's a problem. You'll put it on the table and together we can solve it. For months afterward, he had a catchphrase he would use. Tell me what to do, docs, the president would frequently say. But the reality was more complicated. Pfizer-BioNTech announced after the 2020 elections that their vaccine was more than 90% effective at preventing infection. Weeks later, Moderna announced over 94% efficacy at preventing infection. We still have not seen where that data came from since it turns out not to be remotely true. That was the data that people like me were citing back in December 2020 when we suggested that it was important to get the vaccine. Again, being anti-mandate because I don't believe that the government should mandate this sort of stuff because, again, the vaccine protects you once you take it yourself and the number of people who couldn't take the vaccine was, was vanishingly low. But, The the stats that were being put out there by Moderna and Pfizer apparently were just not true. Nearly everything the president and his scientific advisors assumed for the next six months hinged on those numbers, even though it became clear that summer that the vaccines, though highly effective at stopping death and hospitalization, did a far worse job of blocking infection than originally expected as potency waned and new more transmissible variants emerged. Okay, so this is The Washington Post admitting that by June of 2021, it was perfectly clear that the vaccines were not actually stopping transmission. Still the political imperative remained, says the Washington Post. As the July 4th celebration drew closer, Biden flagged to his staff that they need to add some caveats to his remarks, echoing the warnings he had been issuing about potential variants in the weeks prior. His top advisors worked to scale back the tone, cutting several overly triumphant lines and added some fine print with cautions like COVID-19 has not been vanquished. But the event went on as planned and the message delivered was ultimately one of victory. Biden said we are emerging from the darkness just three weeks later, spurred in part by a Delta outbreak among a highly vaccinated population in Provincetown, Massachusetts. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommended that even fully vaccinated people wear masks indoors. Sixty two percent of the nation approved of how Biden was handling the covid pandemic in late June, shortly before he gave the speech. That number fell 10 percentage points to 52 percent approval in late August and September, 47 percent by November, dragging down his overall rating, according to The Washington Post, ABC News polling. We go with what we know at the time, with the best possible information, with what the experts are telling us, and we do our best, said Mike Donilon, a senior Biden advisor. That is an amazing sequence of events. So according to The Washington Post, again, they said that it was clear that the potency was waning, that people were getting infected, and Biden went ahead and declared independence anyway because he needed the win. And then he went ahead and tried to backfill that by suggesting a vax mandate. And remember, this remained the Biden line up until today is that you need a vax mandate in the workplace. He is still suing to get OSHA to force employees to get vaccinated. On what basis? On what basis? On the basis that the vaccines are supposed to stop transmission. But we now know that we were lied to by everyone. We were lied to by the scientists. We were lied to by Pfizer. We were lied to by the government. We were lied to by the Biden administration. We were lied to. I don't like being lied to. I don't know about you. And it makes me not believe these people. Now, again, I think that it can be easy to take this too far. I think there are people out there who will say, I will never believe any doctor who talks to me again about this stuff. I will never believe the CDC. No, what it just means is that you have to now verify. You can't use them as an expert heuristic. You now actually do have to do your own research. And that's a problem because society doesn't have time for that. When you are no no longer able to go to a plumber, and when you're no longer able to go to the mechanic because they're all bad at their jobs, you're no longer able to go to anybody. You can't go to your doctor because your doctor might be lying to you. What are you supposed to do exactly? You can't be a jack of all trades. The answer is we need to build up new institutions. The answer is that we need to build up alternative institutions that we can actually trust. But that's going to take a long time and serious effort. And that's going to have to be a major American project. Everybody who's involved in this sort of stuff needs to be thrown out of office. If they're in the private sector, they need to be fired. There may need to be actual criminal prosecutions if you're disseminating false health information to people on the basis of zero evidence. This is nasty and horrific. And again, the, the way that the, the Pfizer lady justified all of this is she said, well, you know, there are certain studies that say we may have saved 20 million lives. Okay, well, let's say that that's true. You also lied to the public about this stuff in order to get them to do a thing you wanted them to do, which in free democracies is supposed to be bad. You're not supposed. And, and here's the other thing. If that's really how the vaccines had worked, don't you think that as that became clear, more and more people would have taken them? Also. As I said before, if my 65-year-old parents took the vaccine and it was, wildly pre- it was wildly preventative of serious disease and death, I didn't really need to get the vax either. Now, as I've spoken out before, I got vaxxed twice or right? I am double vaxxed. My wife being a doctor and seeing vulnerable patients is, is triple vaxxed. But knowing now what I know then, what, knowing then what I know now, rather, would I have actually gotten vaxxed based on the information that my actual chances of death from COVID were exorbitantly low and I wouldn't be preventing my parents from getting, that was really what I was concerned about because we were bubbled with my parents. Would I have gotten it? I don't know. I really don't know. I think maybe not. Because again, my personal risk when it comes to the vaccine was extremely low when it came to COVID. I'm a young, healthy male with no pre-existing conditions. This doesn't mean that everybody who took it did something wrong. It doesn't mean that if you were vulnerable and you took it, you did something wrong. It doesn't mean even if you were healthy and you took it, you did something wrong. What it does say is garbage in, garbage out. When you're given bad information, you have to make decisions based on that information. But now the sources of the information have proved that they not only don't know what they're doing, but they do incredible damage without even paying attention to it. We've now seen study after study coming out with people who are making complaints about side effects from the vaccine, for example. People were complaining that it was lengthening women's periods. It was was wreaking havoc with women's reproductive systems. And this was poo-pooed. No, 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 it's not happening. Don't worry about it at all. And then it turns out, actually, it was having some impact on women's reproductive systems. And people early on who were were saying that this was increasing the incidence of myocarditis in young, healthy people. It was poo-pooed. No, 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 that's not true. And then it turns out it was. Now, can that stuff be exaggerated? Of course, that stuff can be exaggerated. Not every instance that is recorded in the VAERS system, which is an unverified complaint system, can actually be tracked to the vaccine. And it may also be true that the baseline level of, for example, myocarditis from getting COVID, maybe that's higher than the baseline level of myocarditis from getting the vaccine. But pretending the vaccine doesn't have side effects or fibbing about it, that's not the solution either. And we've seen this in every aspect of how COVID was treated. And this should, this should say something about how much we trust our experts and how much we trust our government. There's a lesson to me, I'll be honest with you, because again, I come from a, a traditionalist background. Right? I come from a background where you're supposed to believe in the received wisdom of the ages. We're supposed to believe that people who spend their days studying a topic know more than you do. But when it turns out they're just lying to you, all that trust is violated. And so you can see this with regard to, for example, what just happened with the data on on school closings. So it is now perfectly clear that the data on school closings, the schools that closed, are disaster area. Now, we were told over and over by everyone from Randy Weingarten at the American Federation of Teachers to the Education Secretary, Miguel Cardona, that, you know, if we shut down the schools to, to help protect the kids, it's not going to damage them too much. It'll all be OK. And we were told, you know, small children wearing masks, that would have no impact on, on speech, even if it's completely ineffective by all available data at preventing transmission among children. And even if children are not at serious risk of dying from the disease in the first place, they're more likely to die of pneumonia than they are to die of COVID. Even if that's the case, they, they, don't worry. Worst case scenario, we made them do all of these things that were not particularly useful. And you know what? It's not going to hurt them that bad. I then go home from school, so they won't be in school for a year. Would, would you rather have your kid get COVID or would you rather have your kid just be at home? What will what, be the cost? It'll, it won't be a big deal. It turns out it was a really, really big deal. According to the New York Times, U.S. students in most states and across all demographic groups have experienced troubling setbacks in both math and reading, according to an authoritative national exam released on Monday, offering the most definitive indictment yet of the pandemic's impact on millions of school children. Now, remember, I can show you a montage right now. Members of the media, members of government, scientists telling, guys, if we shut down the schools, we have to do it. We have to shut down the schools. And you know what? The impact, we'll just deal with it after. It probably ain't going to be that great. Here it is.
1: You've got to realize that you have infection in your community. So you've got to have the capability of protecting the children and the teachers by doing certain things. Overnight, the CDC released new guidelines strongly supporting the opening of schools. But if it's not safe enough to hold the GOP convention in Florida, how is it safe enough to reopen schools? We are listening to what the doctors and the scientists are telling us. Right now, you know, we have to do this remote learning. Secretary of Education indicated that children should go to school. They have to take risks. Everybody takes risks. Take risks to ride a bicycle, to be an astronaut. We don't want our children to take risk to go to school. Any state that is having a serious problem, that state should seriously look at shutting down. I do think that in large parts of the country right now, the infection rates are so high that probably not safe to send kids back.
0: Not every state is created equal. not every school district is created equal. So we have to be very vigilant about cases and hold back in those areas where the the uptick is still uh, significant.
1: If you have a situation in which you don't have a real good control, over an outbreak and you allow children to gather together, they likely will get infected. And these recommendations and his push for schools to reopen is going against the advice of federal health experts. Tonight, President Trump pushing for schools to
0: reopen despite rising cases in more than half the country. But according to The New York Times, the declines in student performance have been exorbitant, extraordinary. In math, the results were especially devastating, representing the steepest declines ever recorded on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, known as the nation's report card, which tests a broad sampling of fourth and eighth graders and dates to the early 1990s. In the test's first results since the pandemic began, math scores for eighth graders fell in nearly every state. Every state, a meager 26% of eighth graders were proficient. That is down from 34% in 2019. That is a massive decline, 34 to 26%. That is a decline, depending on how exactly are measuring it, of 20, 25%. Fourth graders fared only slightly better with declines in 41 states. Just 36% of fourth graders were proficient in math, down from 41%. Reading scores also declined in more than half the states, continuing a downward trend that had begun even before the pandemic. No state showed sizable improvement in reading. Only one in about three students met proficiency standards, a designation that means students have demonstrated competency and are on track for future success. One in three students. These trends are egregious. They are terrible. For the country's most vulnerable students, the pandemic left them even further behind. So the Biden administration is even admitting this is a wake-up call and this is a a problem. Here's Miguel Cardona, the education secretary, who, again, did not force the schools to reopen despite the fact that the schools should have been open in the first place, admitting this is a wake-up call. Secretary, thank you for being with us. I mean, this is is bad news. How are you reacting to this this morning?
1: Well, look, you know, I'm... Saying if this is not a wake up call for us to double down our efforts and improve education, even before it was uh, before the pandemic, then I don't know what will. Um, we really need to make sure we're utilizing the ARP dollars to help our students in reading and math and, and go beyond the, the data uh, that we had in 2019. We have to double down now.
0: OK, so double down on what on your garbage policy that created this in the first place. And by the way, it is worth noting here that the federal this is not about spending. And okay, so the, the AFT, the NEA, all the Democrats said, "What do we throw money at the schools? We'll throw money at the schools. But well, we don't reopen the schools because all we have to do really is just placate our teachers union buddies who are then going to funnel a lot of that money back into getting us reelected. But last year, the federal government made its largest single investment in American schools, $123 billion or about $2,400 per student to help students catch up. School districts were required to spend at least 20% of the money on academic recovery. So by, by the way, that is an amazing stat. So the school district, they were being given $2,400 per student And they were required by the Democrats to spend a grand total of $480 per student on actual student education. The rest of the money just disappears into the ether to placate the unions. With funding slated to expire in 2024, research suggests it could take billions more dollars in several years for students to properly recover. Um, Well, maybe you shouldn't have shut down the schools in the first place and lied to everybody about it. The places where they didn't shut down the schools did better. It is simply that easy. For example, Texas, where many schools opened sooner, held steady in reading. In California, which stood out for its cautious reopening, scores declined less than national averages in several categories. But they did decline. And they, like, this is, it's a mess. You shut down the schools. It made things worse. And by the way, again, spending money ain't going to fix it. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. You may have noticed mass spikes in crime in America's major cities. FBI stats reveal that violent crime is actually up across the nation. We've talked on the show before about how good guys with guns are a great deterrent to bad guys with weapons. Well, sometimes if you have to use a gun against a bad guy, you're hailed as a hero. But sometimes you actually end up enmeshed in the court system. Here's the thing. It's not enough to legally and safely own a firearm to protect your family. In order to fully protect yourself and your loved ones, you have to be prepared for the mental, physical, and legal ramifications of self-defense. That's why I'm a member of the U.S. Concealed Carry Association, and you should be as well. Right now, the USCCA is giving away a free concealed carry and family defense guide, plus a chance to win a thousand bucks to buy a firearm to protect yourself and your family. 100% free. Just text Ben to 87222. In this 58-page defense guide, you will learn how to detect attackers before they see you, what the USCCA has learned about school shootings, equipment and training basics, about the law and justice systems, how to responsibly own and store a gun, particularly if you have small kids the way I do, and a whole lot more. Text BEN to 87222 for instant access to this free guide. Enter for the chance to win 1000 bucks to put toward a firearm to protect your family. Text BEN to 87222 right now. Again, that's 87222 to involve yourself with the USCCA. Also... It's the best time of the year, election season. No, I'm just joking. That that season kind of sucks. But autumn is a crazy, hectic, wonderful time of the year. School is starting up again. Some people are going to be celebrating. Halloween, Thanksgiving is coming. Well, if you're leaving home a lot, you might want to protect your home the way I do and team up with Ring. With Ring Security products, you can rest assured knowing your home and family will be safe when you're not there. The Ring video doorbell notifies you when guests or packages arrive. Working parents, you can even watch from the office and make sure your kids get off the school bus safely. Ring's indoor cams are a great way to keep an eye on kids and pets when you're not there. Ring alarm will alert you if any motion is detected while the house is empty. Plus, if you add smart lighting around your home, it can turn lights on or off while you're away or link your lights to select Ring video doorbells and security cameras so they shine when motion is detected. I'm out of town a fair bit, and that means that I got to make sure my family is protected and safe. This is why I rely on Ring to keep my own family safe. There's no better recommendation than that. Head on over to ring.com. Find out how you can live a little more stress-free this season with a Ring product that is right for you. That's ring.com. Go check them out right now. Again, ring.com and get the best products for your home today. According to the Washington Post yesterday, in March 2021, the Biden administration released the federal government's largest pool of pandemic relief for public schools. The American Rescue Plan infused campuses with $122 billion to reopen buildings, address mental health needs, and help students who had fallen behind academically. The need was supposedly so urgent that two-thirds of the money, $81 billion, was released less than two weeks after the plan was signed into law and before the Education Department could approve each state's spending plan. Despite having access to the dollars, school systems reported spending less than 15% of the federal funding during the 2021-2022 school year. The spending rates varied considerably between states, even among school districts within the state, but the trend of a slow rollout was especially apparent in some of the school districts that have incurred the steepest learning losses in English and math, according to the data. Meanwhile, national test scores in elementary school math and reading have plunged to levels that haven't been seen in decades. We don't have enough money, said Kerry Rodriguez, president of the Education Advocacy Group at the National Parents Union. Now we have a historic amount of spending like never before you're not even spending the money apparently it wasn't spent for a variety of reasons, including delayed access to funds, a nationwide educator shortage, and desire to make the money last. Or alternatively, you just didn't want to use it. You just didn't want to use it for the kids. Instead, you decided to use it for a bunch of random stuff that you haven't earmarked for in the future. Now, the, the perversion of our kids' education in order to achieve particular political results, including lockdowns, another, again, lies that were told to us, just lies. Corrine Jean-Pierre, for her part, the worst press secretary in American history. She blamed Donald Trump for all of this, which is an amazing statement considering the schools were shut in 2020 because nobody knew what was going on. And by 2021, we all knew what was going on. He kept the schools shut. Are there any plans to mount a similarly widespread, wide ranging and comprehensive effort to respond to the educational consequences of this? So
1: um, as you all know, from when the President walked into this administration, it was a top priority for him to safely reopen schools. And he did that, especially for our, our, our kids, right, across the country, millions of kids. And uh, let's not forget, when he walked into this administration, the COVID response was incredibly mismanaged uh, by the former administration. Uh, and could and he understood, because just because it was mismanaged, it could not, that action could not uh, come at the expense of our children.
0: Um, you kept the schools closed for like an additional year. I was there, I remember. One of the reasons we moved from Los Angeles to Florida is specifically because the schools were open in Florida. Well, this is one of the reasons undergirding so much of what's going on is still the aftermath of, of the pandemic. So we're watching the election dynamics that we're seeing right now. The COVID-19 chickens are coming home to roost for the Democrats. They pushed school lockdowns. They pushed forcible masking. They pushed massive bailouts. They pushed all of this on the back of a pandemic that had already waned by the time that Joe Biden took office and for which a vaccine was available that prevented significant disease and death for the most vulnerable among us. They continue to push this stuff and the consequences have been absolutely dire. And people aren't forgetting this. People aren't forgetting who's pushing the lockdowns. People aren't forgetting the fact that Gavin Newsom in California says that his emergency declaration about COVID-19 will end in February of 2023, which by the way, is a hell of a way to treat an emergency. I don't know an emergency where I can actually predict the end to the month. Like my house is on fire. Well, I'm going to clear an end to this house on fire emergency by next week, by next Monday or so. That's when I'll declare the end. Like, that's not how emergencies work, dude. But this is how Democrats have treated this all along. It was a policy issue. It was not, in fact, a health crisis the way that they saw it. Well, this is the reason why Florida has now swiveled red. So there was a big debate last night between Ron DeSantis and Charlie Crist. It got very heated. But DeSantis right now in the polls is absolutely clocking Charlie Crist. This was a purple state. Ron DeSantis beat Andrew Gillum, a, an alleged gay meth addict who was now under indictment by the DOJ for corruption. He beat him by thirty thousand votes, like three zero thousand, in a very large state, Florida. He is now leading in the polls, according to Real Clear Politics polling averages, by ten points. The latest polls, and it's two separate ones, Mason Dixon and Florida Atlantic University, have DeSantis up eleven. The reason for that is specifically because he did not shut down the state. It's because he reopened the state fast. He attempted to make sure that people didn't lose their businesses. How bad is this for Democrats? It's so bad that Charlie Crist has to just lie about it. He actually tweeted out last week, quote, Governor DeSantis is the only governor in Florida history who shut down the schools and locked down businesses, which is just unbelievable gaslighting. I mean, he was the like at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone did. Would, Would that be what you're talking about? Because Ron DeSantis is actually quite famous for reopening the state of Florida. The media made him their bugaboo. He was the worst. Andrew Cuomo was the hero. Andrew Cuomo was here to do three things, kill elderly people, grab ass, and shut down the economy. And he achieved all three of those things before he was booted from office. Ron DeSantis actually didn't do any of those things. He didn't shut down the economy. He didn't grab ass. He didn't kill all the seniors in Florida. And uh, and Ron DeSantis is now a wildly popular governor of what used to be a purple state, but is now pretty obviously a significantly red state. You know what changed that? What changed that was Ron DeSantis' COVID response. If you look at his approval ratings, it was his COVID response that really launched him into the stratosphere, politically speaking. Here's Ron DeSantis' debate last night talking about it.
1: You mentioned, Liz, that people are flocking to Florida. That would not have happened if Charlie Chris had his way. He wrote me a letter in July of 2020 saying you need to shut down the state of Florida. He said you need to force people to shelter in their own homes. That would have destroyed the state of Florida. That would have caused, that would have caused our tourism industry to go into the toilet. It would have locked out millions of kids from school. I rejected Charlie Crist's lockdown letter. I kept
0: this state open and I kept this state free. Okay, that is DeSantis' big claim to fame. It also happens to be the reason why Ron DeSantis is now winning a majority of Hispanic voters in the state of Florida. And you want to talk about stats that just scare the living hell out of Democrats? When Republicans start winning a majority of Hispanic voters, they got a real problem. According to floridapolitics.com, DeSantis now leads Charlie Crist 51-44 among Hispanics. That's a Telemundo poll. Okay, by seven points, that's not even a slight majority. That's a significant majority. Those poll results flipped fortunes from just four years ago for Republicans among Hispanics. According to CNN exit polling from 2018, Andrew Gillum took 54% of the Latino vote against DeSantis's 44% of the vote that year. DeSantis' strength comes largely from those with Cuban backgrounds who hate communism and therefore don't like what the Democrats are pitching. Chris leads other, other Hispanics by a fairly wide margin. But DeSantis has the support of 56% of Hispanics who were born in another country and 48% of Hispanics born in the United States. Among Hispanic independents, DeSantis enjoys a 56 to 34 lead. The reason for all of this, the reason DeSantis is running away with this race is again because he he, he had his own experts that he went to when it came to whether to shut down the state or whether to mandate vaccines or whether to forcibly mask children. This is the reason he's doing so well. MSNBC is freaking out about this as well they should be. Where is MSNBC highlighting that poll result for Ron DeSantis yesterday?
1: Noah, uh, meanwhile, there's brand new polling from likely Hispanic voters in Florida, which shows Ron DeSantis with a s- solid advantage there. What does it tell us? Well, it tells us that he has buy-in and it confirms a lot of the Republican claims that Hispanic voters are trending further and further to the right in Florida. Now, it's important to point out that a Hispanic voter in Florida is significantly different than a Hispanic voter in other parts of the Sun Belt. But Republicans clearly are effective at messaging to these groups of Hispanic voters in Florida. Right now, DeSantis, a seven point lead over Charlie Crist for this upcoming race. But what's maybe even more telling is his 56 percent overall approval with likely Hispanic voters in Florida, that tells us that even some Charlie Chris voters support what the governor is doing.
0: Okay, which means that they probably will end up voting for DeSantis. So Charlie Chris is about to get absolutely whomped in Florida. Again, that state has turned red because Ron DeSantis didn't listen to the Democrats on, on all of this sort of stuff. By the way, the same is true on all of the supposed policies that are, that are supposed to make him unpopular. The media is very, very angry at Ron DeSantis, for example, for cutting down on the indoctrination of children in schools. They've decided this is their top priority. Ron DeSantis the debate last night. The governor of Florida, he ripped into woke history. This happens to be a popular perspective among, wait for it, Hispanics.
1: Um, but what I think is not good is to scapegoat students based on skin color. It's not good to distort American history by saying that the American Revolution was fought uh, to defend slavery, which is not true. Uh, I think we should have a uh, history like Abraham Lincoln believed in our founding, uh, like Frederick Douglass. These are great eternal principles. We've got a great constitution, and people have used those principles to make great progress uh, over the course of our country's history. I'm proud of our history. I don't want to teach kids to hate our country. I don't want to teach kids to hate each other. And the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the
0: basis of race. Hey, this stuff has made DeSantis very, very popular. The the, the most viral line of the night was when uh, Ron DeSantis went after Charlie Chris pretty directly and called him an old donkey, which, I mean, I I got nothing on that because um, fact check kind of true.
1: Ron, you talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand. You think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused. But you're running for governor. You're running for governor, and I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're re elected, you will serve a full four year term as governor. Yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four year term if you're re elected governor of Florida? It's it not a time? tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you.
0: We did not agree on the candidates asking is, each other is it my questions. Time? Governor, it's your turn.
1: Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris.
0: So the reason the DeSantis didn't answer the question is because Chris broke the rules of the debate. The rules of the debate were the candidates were not allowed to ask each other direct questions and, and Chris violated all of that. Okay, so Leading up to the midterms, there's a lot of anger out there. And a lot of the anger is being driven by the bad policy and the lies that we've been told for the past several years by the media, by Democrats, by the expert. In just a second, we'll get to an NBC News poll that shows that interest in the midterms is very high. And so is polarization. We'll get to why that is in just one second. First, you know, the way you raise your kids is probably the most important thing in your life. And this means that if God forbid something happens to you, you have to make sure that the people who raise your kids after you actually share your values. But here's the thing. If you don't make a will, you actually don't know what happens after you die. Epic Will can help with that. A will lets you determine who's going to raise your kids in the event you die before you are done raising your kids. This is a pretty big deal. It's your responsibility as a parent. When we made our will, for example, we actually had to think through who would we want to raise our kids in case, God forbid, something happened. It's a dark thought. It's also a necessary thought because now, God forbid, something happens. I know that my kids are going to be taken care of. It's why we here at Daily Wire have partnered with Epic Will. Take five minutes today and make the will that you know you need to make. You've been putting it off because you don't want to think about your own demise. But the fact is, you got to, think mean, it's just an important thing to do. Go to epicwill.com, use promo code Shapiro, save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That's epicwill.com, promo code Shapiro. You can't afford to just leave the government figuring out who's going to take care of your kids or how your assets are disposed of, and then they just take a chunk of your assets. Instead, go to epicwill.com, promo code Shapiro, get started with your will today. Well, folks, now feels like a good time to read another email the Daily Wire was CC'd on in an ongoing ad segment called Breakup Letters. These are real messages from former Harry's Razor's customers who canceled their subscriptions and switched over to Jeremy's. Today's letter is from a man who writes to Harry's, quote, I've been a subscriber since 2015, but I'm canceling because I'm one of those knuckle-dragging savages that believes in traditional morality. I stuck with y'all after the Gillette Razor snafu. I'm leaving because of your treatment of Daily Wire. Delete my account. Yes, not all heroes wear capes, but all heroes do shave with Jeremy's Razors. today. You can get 40% off your founder's shave kit by going to jeremysrazors.com. Stop giving your money to will corporations. Give it to Jeremy instead. Keep the breakup emails coming by copying us at reviews at jeremysrazors.com. Okay, so the polls are showing the Democrats are falling further and further behind on the generic ballot. The polls are also showing high levels of political polarization, which of course is no shock. According to NBC News, less than three weeks before Election Day, voter interest has reached an all-time high for a midterm election, with a majority of registered voters saying the election is more important to them than past midterms. What's more... of Democrats and Republicans believe the political opposition poses a threat that if not stopped will destroy America as we know it, which is not a wonderful sign. About two thirds of reliable Democratic and Republican voters say they'd still support the party's political candidate, even if that person had a moral failing that wasn't consistent with their own values, which, again, is not a shock. We've known this for quite a while. It was true for Bill Clinton on the Democratic side of the aisle back in the 90s. It was true for Donald Trump in 2016. These are some of the major findings of a new national NBC News poll which shows a competitive contest for November and offers positive signs for both parties. On the Democrats' side, Joe Biden's approval rating is supposedly at 45 percent. Congressional preference continues to be relatively even. Apparently, it's 47 to 46, which is within margin of democracy, which is within margin of error. Threats to democracy are voters number one issue for the third straight NBC News poll. For Republicans, the positive signs that Biden's approval among independents and swing state voters is in the 30s and low 40s that the GOP once again holds the enthusiasm advantage that Republicans leading in congressional preference among the smaller set of likely voters, 48 to 47. But the, the, the biggest issue here is that when you look at the poll statistics, people believe that the other side is basically going to destroy the country. Now, you can see why a lot of people believe that the country is on the verge of being destroyed. If you are on the right, you believe that the country is being destroyed by a coterie of elitists who wish to undermine traditional morality, lock you in your home during COVID, make sure that you pay exorbitantly high taxes, undermine race comedy in the United States and pursue an equity agenda that requires centralization of massive government in pursuit of environmental utopianism. Right? All of which I agree with. The, the hard left does want to do all of those things. Does that mean that every election is the end of democracy? No, no, it does not. But are those things that the left wants to do? I mean, they've made pretty clear that these are things they want to do. On the left, they have whipped themselves into a frenzy over January 6th. Now, let's be real about this. They thought that Trump was a threat to democracy long before January 6th. They thought, that Republicans were a threat to democracy Mitt Romney was running for office in 2012. They called that the most important election of your lifetime, to defeat the toast, then Massachusetts Republican. That was huge, right? If you didn't defeat Mitt Romney, then Mitt Romney is going to send you all back to, the, back to the chains, according to Joe Biden. Okay, but this sort of polarization is right now being largely driven by Democrats, not Republicans. I say this because they keep ramping up the rhetoric. For all the talk about Republican rhetoric here, And Republicans are making clear that, you know, it's it's kind of an extraordinary thing when the president of the United States is talking about the moral duty to trans the kids. Like that seems to me destroying Western civilization. For the left, the fact of an election is what is destroying Western civilization. They just keep saying over and over democracy is at stake. Like there will never be another election in this country. Maybe the election will be stolen. They sound conspiratorial. All the accusations that they make about the election deniers on the Republican side of the aisle, they themselves are making. And they keep claiming over and over and over that democracy is at stake, that we are at the end of democracy, that, that any enemies of the Democratic Party are enemies of the republic. Here we go. This is this is Hallie Jackson on MSNBC making the claim.
1: The court is asking a Fulton County to respond, and that'll happen later this week. And it could go to the full nine justices. We don't know the answer to that yet. Or Justice Thomas could decide on his own. So this is a temporary pause, but it's a very notable one, given how important this case is uh, to the issue of democracy, Hallie. Which is at stake in this election, as you well know, especially with so many election denying Republicans running for some of these secretary of state uh, races, for example, gubernatorial attorney general.
0: Again, the the, the idea is democracy is, is on the line here. Hillary Clinton is doing the same thing. She's saying that that we are now preparing for all elections to be stolen in the future. So, So we now have everybody who doesn't trust the elections.
1: I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it.
0: Mm. Well, I, I was I was informed that this is a danger to democracy itself. I mean, doubting future election results like that's that's scary stuff right there. Meanwhile, Whoopi Goldberg is out there saying that forget about future elections. Past elections were stolen. Whoopi Goldberg and the, the crew at The View combined IQ 71. Uh, they had on Ted Cruz, senator from Texas yesterday, and they were talking about stolen elections. And Ted Cruz is like, you know, you guys are constantly claiming that elections are stolen. Whoopi's like, well, they are stolen. Hillary won.
1: Was Biden legitimately elected? Because half the party thinks that he wasn't, and it'd be very powerful for you to tell the truth. So so
0: listen, Biden is the president today. There's a lot of folks in the media that anytime- Hold on, I'm I'm answering exactly that question. There are a lot of folks in the media that try to Anytime a Republican is in front of a TV camera, try to say the election was fair and square and legitimate. You know who y'all don't do that to? You don't do it to Hillary Clinton, who stood up and said, Trump but stole the election. The yeah. They didn't storm no, really to kill Stacey my former Abrams rep- who said boss. who said that the election was stolen. They sat here yes, and said it was illegitimate, right. and, and, it was. and you guys were fine with it. Okay, so, so, so it's did, illegitimate did when Republicans did, win, the, but not when Democrats win. No, you know, here's the thing. We may not like when Republicans win, but we don't go and we don't storm. We don't try to change, but we don't do that. Did did I miss an entire year of Antifa riots where cities across this country were burning and police cars? She doesn't know what an Antifa riot is. Hillary's election was stolen, and the idea that this is all happening on one side of the aisle is incredibly bizarre. Nicole Wallace on MSNBC she says that maybe we should have foreign observers to monitor American elections now, which is a pretty radical observation.
1: Do you think it's time to ask for friends and allies to come over and help us monitor our elections? We used to do that in other burgeoning and threatened democracies. Yeah, no, Nicole, I'm not there yet. And I know why you're asking what you're asking. And you're not wrong, right? I mean, you know, the kind of intimidation that is threatened around polling places. I mean, you've seen the pictures of the guys with assault weapons near boxes. That stuff is intimidating. And again, that used to be sort of the province of, uh, I
0: hate to use the term, but third world countries that didn't care about democracy. Um, but but uh, no, look, this is something for us to work out ourselves. And, um, you, you know, we, we at some point, the United States is going to need to collectively decide that not only are we going to oppose Russians and Chinese and North Koreans and Iranians messing around with our elections, we're not going to allow the Republican Party to do it either. Oh, it's just like, that. I, I was unaware that like the Republican Party, as it turns out, is a domestic political party that is campaigning. That's not the same thing as the Chinese or the Russians or the Iranians. <laughs> like the, the mix up there is, is so telling. And Nicole Wallace suggesting that we need the U.N. to come in and monitor our elections is really something. All of this panic, of course, is because elections are perfectly sacrosanct when Democrats win. When Democrats are in danger of losing, then, of course, elections become not sacrosanct anymore and you have to worry about the possibility that they are going to be stolen. And the reason the Democrats are freaking out about this, of course, is because Democrats are underperforming. One reason that they are underperforming is because the president of the United States is no longer a sentient human being. His brain is not functioning properly. And this means that Democrats at the top of their ticket have a person who is wildly unpopular. They have a bad economic situation. The social policy they are pursuing is extraordinarily radical. And they're they, they no longer progressives. They're transgressives. This is this is the main motivating factor in being on the left these days. It's not about progressing society in any Significant way. It's about transgressing all of the rules and destroying all of those rules. And then when they begin to lose, then the, the most obvious thing that they can do is suggest that the election is going to be stolen. So when it comes to election deniers, there is no monopoly on the right side of the aisle with regard to this. When you wonder why society is polarized, this would, would be the reason. And I said after Donald Trump won in 2016, all he would have to do to win re election was not be crazy. And then I said after Joe Biden won, all he would have to do is not be crazy. And it seems as though no one has the capacity to just not be crazy, <laughs> is the impression that I'm getting. At this point. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not gonna want to miss it. We will be getting into Ted Cruz's appearance on the view with Ted Cruz Plus. Dr. Marty McCarry of Johns Hopkins University will be joining us to talk about everything COVID vax related, including whether the vax ought to be given to children. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. <laughs>